I'm Angela Ross. In this edition of SoCal Voices, you're going to hear from a staunch cheerleader for inland Southern California and a huge fan of the city of Riverside. A few years ago, when he and his wife were looking for books for their children, they noticed that something was missing. They couldn't find any books about the city where they live, work, and play. And since they couldn't find the book, they decided to write the book themselves. And here to talk about that journey is the wonderful Mark Cloud. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hey, Angela. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to have you here. Hey, before we get into the book, I would like for you to talk a little bit about where you grew up and the things that helped shape your love for Riverside and the Inland Empire. Well, I like to tell people that I didn't go very far in life, literally, because I grew up in downtown Riverside and I still live in downtown Riverside. So I, I literally didn't go very far <laughs> uh, geographically anyway. So I grew up on 2nd Street in downtown Riverside, went to Bryant Elementary School, went to Central Middle School, North High School, RCC, Cal Baptist. So I really stayed put. I think Riverside's a great town. I think it's a, a city that is often uh, overlooked, perhaps by folks in other counties, but it's a real gem. And I love this town and there's a lot of history here. It's got everything that a good city should have. And I'm always proud to say that I'm from Riverside. You know, it's so refreshing to talk to someone who's enthusiastic about this area, because I think overall, the region in general tends to suffer a little bit from, I don't know, they're a little self-conscious, a little underdog mentality. They don't have the robustness and the confidence because it's not Los Angeles or San Francisco or San Diego. And that's too bad because the area really does have a lot to offer, as you say, and we're going to get into that a little bit. So the book, Hello Riverside, you and your wife were seeking books for your kids and you wrote Hello Riverside because you couldn't find something that you that you liked for them. Actually, there really wasn't anything for them. Other than not being able to find a children's book about the city, describe what you wanted to accomplish with this, what you wanted to say in the book, and really what you wanted your children and other kids to get from it. What, is, what does it say about you and your values? Well, Riverside's full of um, lots of wonderful little gems, uh, lots of landmarks that many folks know about, like the Mission Inn, and lots that other folks probably knew very little about, if anything at all. In fact, some folks, when they got our book, they would say, I didn't know that was in Riverside. For example, the the miniature trains that you can ride on. So we thought there should definitely be a book that essentially introduces small kids to the joys of Riverside. And so that was what we set out to do. We wanted to have a book that covered, you know, we, we pulled something in from nearly every ward. We thought we, we needed to have representation from across the city, all the neighborhoods that are here. And so we, we did that. We included great sites from all over, all over the city. And uh, that's what we wanted to convey to the next generation of Riversiders is basically you've been born into or have moved to, uh, whatever the case may be, a wonderful town. And if, if you don't hear that from anybody else, you can hear that from this book. It's a great city and it's chock full of, of these wonderful landmarks that you can go check out. Talk a little bit more about some of the landmarks that you included. Yeah, so of course we included landmarks from downtown, like the Mission Inn. Uh, that's that had to be in there. Mount Rubidoux, which I grew up hiking when I was a kid, and still do to this day. I live near Mount Rubidoux today. Mount Rubidoux is in there. Uh, the Casablanca Library, which is a fun library in the Casablanca neighborhood. Uh, Bobby Brown's um, sports complex, where you can go and swim and play soccer, and the UCR Botanic Gardens as another example of a great place to go when you want to spend some time in Riverside and have some fun. 
you know, and it's worth noting, you know, we were a town of universities. So UCR had to be in the book. And so we made sure to include the UCR Botanic Gardens. And you can even see in the background of the artwork, uh, the famous sea on the hills beyond. Now, who handled the artwork for you in that publication? She doesn't live here any longer. She moved with her husband uh, to out of state, but she went to CBU. Her name is Jessica Robin. She is a very talented ink, uh, like ink-based and watercolor-based artist. She does other books now herself. She's very talented. And so when we saw her artwork, we thought, you know, we definitely have to try and get her to do this work for us. So she did. And, uh, and my wife and I wrote it and we put it together for that. But Jessica Robin is the illustrator and she is very talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the illustrations in the book are really, really nice. And it really helps marry the narrative, if you will, with, with the area in a way that kids can understand and appreciate and, and really get into. I think that's that's really important. What was the reception to to the book? How, how did folks react? Well, folks liked it. The reaction was very good, very warm. We sold uh, a number of books out of our website and also through local retail outlets like Mrs. Tiggy Winkles and the, the Citru- you know, Citrus Heritage Park gift shop. Folks really liked it and all the retailers wanted it. And, uh, and so that was, that was great to see. The cool thing is the illustrations were really well done. The production of the, the print production was really well done. And so it was something that folks really wanted to get their hands on. So it was the marrying of a high production quality with beautiful illustrations featuring things like the Heritage House in Riverside. So the reception was was really good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now there are other books. Uh, let's talk about some of the other books you authored. Was the next one um, Fun at the Office? Was that the, the, the next one that you did? The very next one we did was actually called Hello, Buffalo. A very oh, okay. similar in nature book about Buffalo, New York, where I have family who live there. And Buffalo is a very cool city. So we did a book called Hello, Buffalo. Uh, just for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, it was Fun at the Office. Uh, and that was an mm-hmm. homage to the Office television show, which a massive fan base and many of those folks who grew up, not grew up, they, they watched the show maybe in their 20s or during their college years like I did, or they're new to the show now. Nonetheless, there's these newer generations that are now watching the Office. So they're having kids in essence. And so it was a good time, I thought, to release a book about the Office. <laughs> For kids. And that was followed up by essentially a companion book called Goodnight Scranton, which basically marries the Goodnight Moon book with The Office. So that's the newest. There's two Office books out there. And so those are selling now on our website. Those are a lot of fun. You know, it's very evident that this is your passion. You have a day job and uh, you're in in public affairs for a large uh, utility. And, you know, that's, that's really good. What do you think drives this this passion and why is it something that you're doing just to bring you joy as opposed to making it your your life's work in the same way that your job maybe well so i've i'm a creative person in general i've i've usually worked within my professional career has largely been made up by um creative type jobs even the one i'm in now is requires some public affairs styled uh, creativity so i've um been able to this is basically my outlet for my creative desires in life is to uh, is to bring joy to people through this creation of of 
at this point, just kids' books. Maybe we'll do something else later. But right now, I actually get a lot of joy out of bringing other people joy. So that's really what it's about. It's not so much for me to get a thrill out of it, although it, I do. I think it's fun to illustrate these books. Mm-hmm. I illustrate them now myself using a digital program called Procreate for the iPad, which is just the most amazing app-based uh, tool out there. And so I mm-hmm. have a great time doing it. It's like a, it's like a hobby now that I'm just, I, I've fallen in love with after all these years of, of doing these books. So the real thrust for me is creating books that people really like. And so if, if folks mm-hmm. like the books, they love them and their kids love them, then that to me is like the ultimate. So that's why I'm doing it. It's to make other, oh, there's a B. Is to make other folks. <laughs> it's to make other folks happy. We were talking earlier about how we both love bees, right? Not. Yes, not. exactly. Not. not. <laughs> so uh, that's why I do it. Sorry, bee lovers. Yeah. We love the honey. We don't love no, the bee. I love honey. I love honey. I love what bees do in, in the world, but I don't like you being stung by them. That's right. So I do it to make other folks happy, and that makes me happy too. And it's just a lot of fun to draw books. And so now that that's what I'm doing, writing and drawing them myself now with this program called Procreate. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, you, in addition to the books you you write and now illustrate, you're involved a lot in, in the community. And that speaks a lot to also uh, the love that you have for the area where you were born and raised and where you've you've raised your family. Talk a little bit about the community boards that you're on and some of the volunteer work that you're doing in the area. Yeah. Well, one of the first jobs, I got, actually the first job I got out of college was for an organization called the ARC of Riverside County, ARC. They call it for short, the ARC. Um, and it's an organization that's been in Riverside and in the county for since the mid-50s. And what they do is they provide services, advocacy services, day services for adults with developmental disabilities. And so I'd always kind of had a I always was interested in getting involved in the industry or or any organization that would help and, and support folks with disabilities. I was always interested in getting involved with. Well, there's one Riverside called the Ark of Riverside. And so I was a mile away from my the school that I went to, Cal Baptist, and uh, I got placed there through the school's like, internship placement program. And so I started interning there. And then when I graduated, the director there, Jim Stream, he gave me a job. He gave me my first shot at uh, at professional life after college. So I was their director of communication, and I learned a lot there. I learned how to become a professional. You know, he uh, Jim took a big risk on uh, bringing this you know this green young guy in who didn't have a lot of skills, but he let me. You know, he took a <laughs> risk on me. So I really owe Jim my career. Anyway, I fell in love with folks with disabilities there and worked there for a number of years, and then. I had since, of course, moved on professionally, but now I'm serving on their board of directors. And so uh, other folks are on that board that are notable figures in Riverside, like Stan Morrison, uh, former uh, police chief Diaz is on the board. And so it's a really cool organization. Bud Lupino, who runs and operates the Bud's Tire Pros shops. It's a really great board. And our focus is to make sure that folks with disabilities that we serve in the organization throughout Western Riverside County are um, being served really well by our organization. So that's my probably my favorite organization that I'm involved with. I've been very involved in the chamber over a number of years and uh, and other boards and nonprofits in the area, like the Mission Inn Foundation, for example. I'm a current sitting member there. So I've been really involved in you know local boards and nonprofits. It's important for folks to do that. And that's what in any good city, every good city has an active nonprofit sector where folks in the community uh, make up the boards uh, and help uh, run those, push those those organizations along and support their stakeholders. So 
that's a, a small snapshot of some of the boards uh, that I've been involved with. You know, listening to you and, and thinking about the types of things that these organizations would typically be doing this time of year and cannot do because of this pandemic, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about what some of the creative ways that they're looking to maintain the connections and, and help people in the community and, and continue to, to build that love, even though people can't physically or shouldn't physically right now, at least get together in the way they have traditionally. What, what's what's happening? Right yeah. Now? So operationally, uh, as you can probably guess, um, all of the meetings that we've we now have for those organizations uh, for the boards and on, they're all virtual now, of course. And so that's one way that allows us all to keep meeting. The Mission Inn Foundation, which operates the Mission Inn gift shop, it's a fantastic organization. If you're in the area, you're downtown by the Mission Inn. Stop by the gift shop, buy some stuff. You know, they have all kinds of great of uh, things you can buy there. One of the things that has driven that organization's funding is the, the Mission Inn tours, the docent tour that you can take at the Mission Inn. Fantastic operation, but because of COVID, obviously that's been on hold for several months now. And so one thing that they have looked to do, the board and the organization, is to shift to, for example, digital fundraising and uh, digital sales through pushing their, their gift shop items uh, more and more online. So that's been an overarching strategy for that organization over the last few years is to more fully rely on e-commerce to ensure that there's a funding stream coming in from their gift shop. And so that's one thing that they're doing to adopt. It was kind of a no-brainer. You know, if you have a gift shop, you should have an e-commerce shop. The ARC of, Organ- uh, of Riverside County, one thing that they're doing is it's been a real challenge. The whole organization has essentially gone uh, virtual, which for an organization that provides hands-on support of folks with disabilities, that's more of a challenge. And so that organization, we're working through those issues. Erin Stream, uh, the daughter of Jim Stream, who ran the organization uh, for a number of years, she's now the director and we're working closely with her to figure out how best to continue to supply services for folks with disabilities virtually. And we're doing some of it. She's doing a great job implementing some of those. Like, for example, this is just one example that um, comes to mind is, can we do like an arts and crafts seminar online for folks with disabilities so that they can remain in their group homes while also receiving some of the very uh, kind of value-added services that the ARC provides. So that's one thing that they're looking at. But, you know, it's challenging for an organization like the ARC, which is provides a lot of its value through day-to-day activity-driven uh, services. It's It's more challenging. So, and folks with disabilities are more vulnerable to um, illness too. It's worth noting. So we have to be very careful there with how we operate that organization. But uh, going virtual right now and trying to maintain all the touch points that, you, that we have been uh, before COVID, like meeting face-to-face, which is so important for organizations through fundraisers and board meetings and, and other meetings, we're doing our best to go virtual like we're doing right now. Thankfully, we have virtual technology that would allow this. I mean, this didn't exist in 1918. So we can continue to operate virtually, but there are challenges there. I know there's a long-winded answer to your question, but I hope that gives you some some clarity and insight. Oh, no, no, that's great. That's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about all of the things that you're involved in and, and the obvious love and passion that's in your heart for people and, and your community. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a lot of good fodder for additional writing if... Uh, <laughs> You want to continue to do that as you move through life. I want to talk about your family a little bit, if you don't mind. I know that your wife was very involved and helpful partner to you in, in, in pursuing this passion. And I know your kids were younger when you both set out on this to do that first, very first book. I'm wondering what 
kind of feedback you've received from them, particularly as they've gotten a little bit older? How are they, do they ever talk about, you know, that time with the book and then, and the other books that have come after that and, and how it's impacting them? Is it, is it still cool or do, do they understand or what's the deal? Well, at first, I think thought it was pretty interesting. And now uh, after a couple more books, and I don't think they find it nearly as thrilling as they used to. In the beginning, Hello Riverside was written when we only had one child. That was Charlie, our, our first boy. Mm-hmm. He would actually sit on a couple instances, would sit on stage with me and kind of like help me read the book to schools, for example, school assemblies. And that was a lot of fun, but um, he's no longer interested in that. So he's almost eight and he'd rather be um, playing Roblox on, on his iPad. Anywhere yeah. else, anywhere else, except we, with you doing reading right. to kids. Yeah. yeah, so they're not really <laughs> impressed by it anymore, but that's okay. So I, I no longer seek to impress my kids. I know that they probably just think I'm a, a lame dad, but I do it really for other people's kids. And so far the feedback mm-hmm. on these books is, you know, they send pictures in and, and post pictures on Instagram about uh, with their kids in our books, and they think it's fun. And so th- if those kids uh, can be impressed by our books, then that's good enough for me. I'm here to tell you as someone who is an experienced parent, that it is for them, it is very cool to act like they're not, they're not cool with you and that what you do is not important and all that. That will change. Okay. That will change when they get older. Uh, not while they're teenagers. No, no, no. It has to be after teenager. And then you will get your, your, your just do. I'm telling <laughs> you, it, it does come around, but you have to put up with the you know, the eye rolls for, for oh, a few right. years, but uh, that, that does change. I'm just, just giving you some hope there. All right. So <laughs> I do want to talk to you a little bit about what's next for you. Do you have another two or three books in the works? Yeah. So I have a running list of books that we're going to do next. In fact, the next one I'm working on right now, it's almost done. It's called the working title. And I think we're going to keep it. It's called Hamburger Stand. And it's an homage to In-N-Out Burger. And, uh, and so that's almost done. Yeah. And, uh, and it comes on the heels of news from Colorado. I just saw a report from Colorado that they just got their, uh, their, I don't know if there's their first or a new in and out location in Colorado. And there were like 12 hour lines to get there, to get into the store and crowd control issues. So that to me tells me there's probably a market for a kid's book that lavishes uh, praise on to in and out. So that's the next book that'll be out actually within the next few weeks. And then I'd love to do a book specifically about the mission and actually one that focuses squarely mm-hmm. on mission. And so that's also on the short list. Now, the book that you want to do about the mission in, is it geared towards kids or is it more of a general audience type of book? Well, it'll be, it'll be geared towards kids, but unlike our first book, Hello Riverside, it was, the format was a board book. So the, the medium itself uh, kind of pointed toward toddlers. But so all the books we're doing from now on will likely be geared toward a, a wider audience. So we'll we'll gear it toward a wider audience, not just to small kids, but to perhaps older kids, too. OK, do you have any uh, dates uh, where folks can expect to start looking for, for these wonderful yeah. publications? Yeah, well, so the next book, <laughs> sorry, my dogs are uh, having fun out here. That's all right. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. It's real life. It's real. This is real life. The In-N-Out book, the homage to In-N-Out, will be available. This is uh, we're in mid to late November now. It'll be mm-hmm. available in about online on Amazon, probably in about two weeks from now. So mid mid December. Oh, awesome. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, 
necessity is the mother of invention. And I just love the fact that you actually acted on something that you, you couldn't find, but you wanted it. And so you put it together. And it sounds like it's really led to just this wonderful journey and something that you can go back to as a creative outlet. That is really a beautiful thing. So I'd like to ask this question of folks uh, who've done what you've done. And if you're talking to someone or you know of someone who is looking to do something similar to what you did, what do you need around you uh, to make that happen? You know, there are folks who say, well, yeah, I'd like to sit down and write a book, but I don't know what to do after that. What what do I do? What are some of the basic tips that you would give someone? Yeah, so the only thing you need to do something like this or other passion projects that you might have or, or other hobbies is really yourself. That's all you need is yourself. We're living in the internet era. You and I are conducting an interview in my backyard and you're in your home. I mean, this is all virtual. It's never been easier to to do something like, in this case, self-publish, right? It's never been easier thanks to the internet. Now, the internet has a lot of pitfalls. Uh, we, we are discovering more and more. There are a lot of negative elements to the internet. One of the many positives, though, is you can do, you can use the internet to to uh, create and distribute something that you create. In this case, for us, of course, it was books, but it's never been easier thanks to the internet. So I would encourage folks who have uh, an idea about a book, because lots of people want to write books, or or anything else, whatever your medium is or your art form is, you should know that it's never been easier to get started thanks to the digital tools that we have today and the distribution channels we have today. Without Amazon, I wouldn't have as many options or, or digital shipment options, let's say, uh, or, or e-commerce options. In order to get my books in the hands of the, our readers, there has to be a channel. And because of the internet, we have that channel now, which is low cost, if not free in some cases. And so the barriers to entry now are so much lower than they used to be. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, that there won't be challenges, but the barriers to entry now to get started on doing X, Y, or Z on the side, has they've never been lower. And so that's heartening. And so for anyone who has an idea for something and is a little wary or, or hesitant, I would say, one, don't worry about anything else other than getting started. Just get started. If you have a book in mind and you haven't yet written it, write it. Start today. In fact, if you're watching this right now, as soon as we're finished with this interview, you should go and write your story or start writing. If it's a novel, if it's a long thing, just start writing it today and work on it every single day. It's That sounds challenging, but it's also very simple. And so um, I would suggest that folks just start today. Just start now. Don't wait until 10 years later because you'll regret it. Just start now. And so the other thing is start looking at how you can harness the power of the internet to both create and distribute your innovation or your your art because it's never been easier to do those things now thanks to the internet. So and also the costs have never been lower. Things that have been cost is usually a barrier for most things. Like and most people, how do I get started writing books or how do I like create X, Y, and Z and start selling them online? Uh, isn't that going to require some money? And won't that be expensive? Well, the answer is uh, maybe depending on what you're doing, but. And the short answer today is it's probably a lot cheaper than it's ever been before. So because the distribution channels have just come so far down in cost. So I would recommend that folks get started and rely and harness the uh, rely on the internet and harness the power of the internet and social media for marketing that was not available to folks who were writing books or producing art 40 years ago, maybe 30 years ago at some capacity, 20 years ago. Yes, but not like it is today. It's really sped up. And so I would encourage folks to, to tap into that power. You know, there is nothing like just getting started. That is the very hardest thing. Once you start, you're on your way. 
Good advice. Good advice. Mark Cloud, such a pleasure uh, to chat with you today. I really appreciate you joining and and sharing your passion and and community with us. Really, really good conversation. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Angela, for having me. And uh, I think your podcast is awesome. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you, Angela. Take care now. Thanks. I'll get you too. Bye-bye.